Packers 41, Bears 25. We got a special intro going tonight. They got a reputation that's mostly based on luck. The Bears still suck. 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 Really, 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 really suck. Yes, the Bears still suck. And indeed, they do. They absolutely suck. They were five and one. They are now five and six after a 41 to 25 ass kicking delivered by my Green Bay Packers, your Green Bay Packers, our Green Bay Packers in a game that the final score does not indicate just how bad of a bludgeoning this was. The score at one point was 41 to 10. Chicago scored 15 meaningless points in the fourth quarter that might have made some of you feel a little worse about what transpired tonight, but I'm certainly not one of those people. Didn't care at all. The fourth quarter was completely academic. It was just to pretty up some stats, give Mitchell Trubisky his 242 yards passing. Uh, Again, a vast majority of which came in garbage time. It was a phenomenal showing by the Green Bay Packers after a rough week. A uh, game that they should have won, and they didn't, obviously, last week in Indianapolis. A bounce-back kind of game. And now going into December, if I had told you the Packers were going to be 8-3 and three going into December, first place in their division by three games, you would have taken it. 100 times out of 100. And as of right now, depending on tomorrow night's result, obviously with the Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks, it is a – they are the two seed currently as the as everything stands. So – The remainder of their schedule, obviously, Philadelphia, at Detroit, Carolina, Tennessee, and then at Chicago to close out the season. So there's your December, early January slate before the postseason hits, and the Packers get a big one tonight. This is the Brother to Brother podcast. I'm your host. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I'm live in the Game On Wisconsin studios, and I am joined by, again, as the title may suggest, my brother, Adam Westendorf, 26 Savage tonight, which is a lot better than sad boy hours. Adam, how are we, how are we feeling? We're feeling great tonight. Uh, just an absolute, I mean, an absolute domination from the get-go. The Packers offense could do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. It looked it looked like the, the early season Packers offense. They got everybody back. They got everybody healthy, and it it looks good. I mean, it looks like the 40-point offense that we saw for the first two weeks of the season when everyone was actually healthy. Yeah, and that's a large uh, story of the game tonight. Obviously, the Packers scored 21 points in the second quarter. They scored 14 in the third quarter. They didn't score in the fourth quarter, but they largely were playing in a shell, trying to take time off the clock and everything going from there, but they end up scoring 41 points. Uh, they take the ball, their first possession, they get the ball first. They go right down the field, stuff it in the end zone. Aaron Rodgers on a third down touchdown pass to Devontae Adams. Surprise, surprise. Who else? That was Devontae Adams' 500th career catch. So congratulations to Devontae Adams on reaching that milestone. And honestly, kind of an incredible one when you consider just how his career began and obviously that infamous 2015 season at this point where it just felt like he couldn't get out of his own way throughout the course of a season and a, and a wonderful redemption story. So congratulations to 17 for getting to that milestone. Absolutely. That's a, a great thing. And he, we are way past the Devonte Adams should be cut and Jeff Janis should be getting uh, uh more playing time 
uh, can we pull up the freezing cold takes uh, Twitter page and find all those? That'd be great. Um, wasn't there a dude uh, within Packers Twitter that said Janice over Adams too? Or something uh, there were like there was more than one, but yes. Wasn't that his Twitter name though? At some point? that was his handle at one point. He's a nice guy, so I'm not going to give him. He's I've met him in person. He was nice to me in person. Our one that's, interaction that we had in person. So that's he fine. was nice it, to me. I'll deal with that, it. That's fine. It's just it's funny because. I mean, I said it last week on the show that, you know, the Packers fandom is just so overreactionary. It's it's so frustrating and so annoying. But, again, congratulations to Devontae Adams on his 500th career uh, reception. And also a congratulations to 50,000 career passing yards for Aaron Rodgers in this game. And we're also really close to... 500 touchdown passes Four, 400 400, 400 yeah. touchdown passes for aaron Rodgers. i think he's three, three away now yep. yeah after throwing four tonight i was joking after the third one that seven wasn't out of the question but obviously uh, the Packers yeah. didn't play that way looking at it uh looking at the matchup for next week uh, i think that we'll see 400 career touchdown passes uh under his belt because philly's secondary is not good no, no. Philadelphia's secondary is terrible, and they've spent some resources back there. Obviously, they traded for Darius Slay. The Eagles can't stop much. You know, the Eagles, when they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, it really was. They got pressure with four. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, guys like that. They were just dominant players, and their back end just had to hold up enough. I mean, Ronald Darby was their best corner when they won the Super Bowl. That is astonishing to me because Ronald Darby is, as the kids may say, not good. <laughs> but that's Philadelphia. This is Chicago, and this is the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, 21 of 29, 211 yards, four touchdowns. So it wasn't a ridiculous, oh, my God, look at this stat line performance. But he was just efficient up and down the field. The Packers were incredible tonight on third down and fourth down. They were three for three on fourth down, six of 11 on third down. And honestly, some of those third down plays that some of those numbers are skewed. They were five for their first five on third down. And the first one that they missed, they went for it on fourth down and got it. They were just offensively a well-oiled machine. And again, this bears defense. I know we mentioned earlier, Akeem Hicks was out and that was a big deal for this bears defense. That being said, still Khalil Mack, Still Robert Quinn, both inside linebackers, all their corners. Eddie Jackson was back there. It did not matter. This Packers team, and that's what I want to get into first. These last two weeks, everybody says the book, if you will, on this Packers team is they can't beat a good defense. Well, the last two weeks, they've played the number one defense in the NFL from a passing defense standpoint. In Indianapolis, I know, don't be fooled by what happened today against Tennessee. I know that there are there's going to be some gaudy numbers, and Derrick Henry is going to do that to a lot of people, but <laughs> when Autry and DeForest Buckner don't play, that's a huge blow to any defense. And Autry didn't play when they played the Packers, but they did have DeForest Buckner. And the Packers were able... They didn't even play in the third quarter. They may as well have not even shown up in the third quarter. They should have just stayed in the locker room. They scored 31 points against Indianapolis. Chicago's defense is ranked, was ranked near the top of the league, and the Packers eviscerated them. Top to bottom, start to finish. So I am sick and tired of hearing about what the Packers can't do and why they can't win 
against team XYZ. There are people already writing off that Tennessee Titans game as a loss. Derrick Henry will beat us by himself. Well, somebody go ahead and tell me how the Tennessee Titans are going to stop this Green Bay Packers offense, especially if they have their full complement of Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and this offensive line that is absolutely incredible. And by this point in the season, I have no idea why we're even concerned as long as they have some relative health on this offensive. Corey Lindsley left the game tonight and you wouldn't have even known. You wouldn't have even noticed. He was questionable coming into the week and then if they would have said he was an active, if you weren't paying attention and you would have asked somebody, Hey, was Corey Lindsley an active tonight? You could have said yes. And it been realistic because Elton Jenkins is that good. And man, I think they have a really good player in John Runyon jr. Who can take over at any of those guard spots. Yeah. I think you can safely pencil him in and I say pencil, but pencil him in as a starting guard, whether it's left or right in 2021 because he has just been rock solid whenever he's got, and now he's going to have a chance to play for an extended period of time. Matt LaFleur said, Corey Lindsley, he does have concern about his injury, but doesn't believe it appears to be season ending. So good news and bad news on the injury front in that regard. Lucas Patrick left tonight's game with a toe injury. Uh, I imagine, and I'm guessing, but I imagine it would have been a thing where if the game was close, he would have been able to finish. The problem that you're running to with the Packers is this is a war of attrition in the NFL, and even more so with what's been happening along the offensive line. You know, Lane Taylor, they lost him for the season with a season-ending injury. They've lost Corey Lindsley now. They're running out of players to the point now. They still have a functional group, obviously. If Patrick can't go next week, then they go from left to right. Bakhtiari, Runyon, Jenkins, Billy Turner and Rick Wagner. And that's a functional group. The problem is if they have one more guy get injured, Josh Niesman becomes a player along the offensive line. And that's a tough spot. And they're running. I would imagine you're going to see some practice squad additions, maybe some workouts this week for some offensive linemen because the Packers are just in a position where they need to be able to have a healthy group on the offensive line. And right now that that's a bit of a concern, but let's talk about the big boys a little bit tonight. They, they officially credited the bears with eight hurries, which I thought was a little high on first glance, but that's what the broadcast said was they had eight hurries. The Packers had zero sacks given up. And this is again, that's Khalil Mack. Not no no sacks and one quarterback hit that was considered a penalty. So yeah, you're you're going against Khalil Mack, who is one of the best rushers in, in all of football. And then they also have a high-dollar guy. I know that it hasn't really panned out, but they have a high-dollar guy in Robert Quinn, who's a crafty veteran who knows what he's doing. But, I mean, he was on Bakhtiari Island all night. He didn't leave that side, which kudos to you, buddy. But uh, you got locked up. Um, you know, and a lot of the time all you'll hear is, oh, Khalil Mack just gets held all the time. Billy Turner played great tonight. Uh, a lot of he did get a lot of help. I'll give him that, and it really it really does help for Green Bay that Akeem Hicks didn't play because then, you know, you stack that well offensive right side of the line with Khalil Mack and then Akeem Hicks. You can't really you got to change some things up of how you're going to try to double uh, Khalil Mack or how you're going to try and chip him or how you're going to help with Akeem Hicks and all that. But the offensive line was great. Uh, they've been great. They're the best unit in football. Um, and one thing is 
Matt LaFleur early in the week uh, was talking about how good that uh, Simon Stepanak has, mm-hmm. has looked. Um, you know, he's coming back from an ACL injury, but if he's going to be activated or not, we don't really know yet, but he says he's looking really good. He was, he's one of those guys where if he didn't tear his ACL, he doesn't get picked in the sixth round. He gets picked in the third or the fourth round. Like he was that good of a player at Indiana. Mm-hmm. So there's another body. If he does come back, maybe he steps in. And if he can look as good as John Runyon Jr. has, there's your two guards for, you know, the next five, six, seven seasons. And you can play Elton Jenkins wherever you want. Like, And they may do that anyways. Something else I want to get to. Friend of the show, Peter Bukowski, just tweeted this. It's almost like he was listening to the show. I think that it's, it's, it's almost uncanny. He says the Packers have played four of the top five defenses by DVOA this season. Okay, so that's uh, one of the metrics that can measure some efficiency. It's opponent adjusted. It's a lot of mumbo jumbo that you guys don't want me to bore you with explaining. They are averaging just a shade under 30 points in those matchups, and that includes a 10-point performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, the bullshit of they can't play against a good defense is gone. It's out the window. And my Good friend and over at Pack Report, Ross Uglin basically said it perfect. Green Bay will make it to 30 in a playoff game. Is that going to be enough for the defense? We'll figure that out. So that's where it's at at this point. And I will say this flat out. Defense wins, and I've said this for years, defense wins championships is an outdated mindset. Offense wins championships now. You need to have a consistent offense and the ability to score because eventually – we talked about this. It doesn't matter how good your defense is against Patrick Tampa Bay against Patrick Mahomes. They played well for the most part throughout the course of the game today. And what did he do? He just flings it off his back foot, drops it in the bucket to Tyreek Hill and the way he runs, he's gone. Kansas city has too many weapons. San Francisco last year had the best defensive football. They were winning 20 to 10 going into the fourth quarter and the Chiefs still scored 30 on them. The Packers in the playoffs are going to face if the season ended today, and it doesn't, but let's just have some fun with it. If the season ended today, they would face Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, or Ben Roethlisberger. If you want to pick the Steelers over the Chiefs, you're welcome to do that. You have to score to beat those teams. Offense wins titles. So take your defense win, and I'm not saying that Green Bay can play the level of defense that it has and win the Super Bowl. It can't. The defense does have to play better. You can't be the 2011 Packers either on the defensive side of the ball. But the Packers have an offense that is good enough to win a title. The whole point we were getting at was whether or not this Green Bay team, what can they they do? And what they can do is they are so efficient offensively. You look at tonight. Let's just go through the receivers. Robert Tunyon, five catches, 67 yards. He had a 39-yard touchdown. Devontae Adams, I played okay. I didn't think he played all that well, but he played okay. Six catches, 61 yards, a touchdown. He had a couple of drops. Equinemia St. Brown, this was nice to see. Well, we saw one of the catches, and the other one, the NBC broadcast decided it wasn't important to show, but he had a nice third-down conversion. We did see it. It was a replay. We did only catch the replay. NBC, I'll forgive you. Two catches, 39 yards, along of 24. Alan Lazard, four catches, 23 yards, a touchdown. Mercedes Lewis, big dog, two catches, 16 yards, and a touchdown. Jay Sternberger, one catch, five yards, 
Aaron Jones, one catch, no yards. Total one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different receivers for Aaron Rodgers' 21 completions. And then you get to the running game. Aaron Jones, 17 carries, 90 yards, no touchdowns. Jamal Williams, 17 carries, 73 yards, and a 17-yard score. That was nice to see. Aaron Rodgers, two carries, 12 yards. Equinemia St. Brown with maybe the worst jet sweep I've ever seen. (laughs) One carry for seven yards, and it felt like he could have had 27 yards on the play if he had just followed Jay Sternberger on a block instead of following Marcos Valdez-Scantling. But whatever, we'll forgive him. He made a couple nice plays tonight. This offense is incredibly efficient. And for all the discussion about, and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth about how they didn't draft a receiver. They didn't trade for Will Fuller. And that bullshit happened again this week. Thank you, Mike Greenberg. I've been a fan of yours for like 20 years. And for some reason, you had to put this into my life this week. The Packers offense can score with anybody, with who they have. Name your defense. Name your team they're playing against. Name the building. Name the time. Name the place. They can score. I... And putting to bed the wide receiver discussion. Do I wish in the back of my head that the Packers had Michael Pittman Jr. Or at the time, I would have been pissed if they drafted Chase Claypool. But now, obviously, yes, that would have worked out. Or do I wish that they could have gotten Brandon Ayuk and the 49ers didn't snipe them from him? Yes. It just doesn't matter. The Packers offense can score with whoever. This team, as it has for the last decade, is going to come down to whether or not the defense can make enough stops. <clears throat> Final thoughts on the offense before we go to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you look at all the, you just went through the list of players that, you know, either caught the ball or received targets. You didn't even get an MVS target tonight. And that's another one. I mean, I want to know, and I mean, I know a bunch of people on Packers Twitter, you know, a lot of the Ben Fennel is a really good one. He'll probably go back and look, but I want to know how much MVS impacted a lot of the stuff underneath for the other players to work. Did he push a lot of that zone back for Devontae Adams and Robert Tunyon and Alan Lazard and EQ? Like, did he push that because of his speed? He may not have. I mean, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, but again, he didn't even have a target tonight. That's another guy that they can use. If, if EQ is going to be, you know, stepping up down the stretch here, that gives them another option. You know, um, Robert Tunyon has, you know, quietly built himself into a really good player. And if I'm not mistaken, he has the second most catches targets and yards on the team. Now. Uh, I would have to get that all in time. It would not surprise me. Because I don't know for sure. It might be MVS with yards strictly just because, well, he catches 80 yard bombs for touchdowns, but right. Um, but I mean, again, Robert, Robert Tunyon has been a player. I mean, he's been the second best, most consistent pass catching option in the offense. You could argue to say, I mean, they haven't really used Aaron Jones in that way this year. Um, they haven't really used Jamal Williams in that way this year. I mean, he has some games where he's, you know, uh, really stepped out and stepped up in, in the, in the receiving, uh, aspect, but I don't know. I mean, Robert Tunyon is one of those dudes where if you're ranking tight ends in the NFC North, I mean, I would still take Hawkinson and Irv Smith over him, but you can make a case where he's the second best tight end in, in the division. Um, 
But again, if he's going to have five catches on five targets, like you're going to catch all of your targets for what was it? 61 yards, 67 yards, something like that. And a touchdown, like, and that's 67, five catches, 67 yards conversion converts a fourth down late in the game to allow the Packers to run the clock out. Well, and not to mention he, he baked all pro safety, Eddie Jackson on that touchdown. So to answer your question, coming into tonight, he was tied with Aaron Jones for second most receptions on the team. Obviously, he surpassed Aaron Jones. He had five catches. Jones only had the one. So, yeah, Robert Tunyon has been the team's second most reliable, most reliable, has the second most receptions on the team. From a yardage standpoint, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is second over Robert Tunyon. has 391 yards receiving. Valdez-Scantling has 518. But like you mentioned, that is largely due to – uh, the, the fact that he's a yeah yards per touch 19.7 yards per reception for MVS so a lot of go a lot of stuff going on there the Packers really do they spread the ball around you're looking at you know when it comes to receptions you have Devonte Adams who's number one with a bullet but then you have Tunyon and Jones who are right there with each other Jamal Williams 27 receptions MVS 25 Lazard only has 15 but he's also been injured he's working his way back into the offense I think the point stands is that the Packers can score with anybody. And again, we go one step further with this stat that I mentioned earlier, actually the Packers have played six of the top 11 defenses by DVOA this season. And in those seven games, they're averaging 31.1 points a game. They are averaging over 30 points a game against the best defenses in football. They could score against whoever the hell you want above average to elite defenses, because that's better than average league average at 16. You're talking about the top 11, basically the top 10. I mean, they're scoring against elite level units. I mean, I, don't I think what happens is you outcry we, at this point. Like I don't. We, well, I don't here's why. What happens is we remember teams at their absolute worst. And what happened last year? The Packers played a really good to elite defense twice, right? San Francisco got run off the field twice. Okay. This year, Tampa Bay, who is their defense that good? I don't know. But they're in that qualifier that I just mentioned earlier. And anything that could have gone wrong for the Packers, Aaron Rodgers almost threw two freaking pick sixes in that game. Like, that's how weird that game was. And they scored 10 points. That's what everybody remembers. So they ignore the fact that they lit up the Colts and didn't play for a quarter. They just lit up the Bears. They've lit up good defenses all season. Again, name your defense, name your team, name your time, name your place. I'm confident the Packers are going to be able to score. Can they make enough plays on defense, turnovers, force enough punts to get them to a Super Bowl. And in the NFC, what team do you think is number one with a bullet? Like New Orleans right now, it's hard to say they're anything. They've played the last two weeks. Today they got to play against a team that didn't play with a quarterback. We learned nothing about them today. Packers already beat them. It was earlier in the year. I don't think you take a ton of stock in that game, but the Packers offense showed they could score against that defense. Whether Michael Thomas played or not is irrelevant. And if that game is at Lambeau Field, I feel really good about Green Bay's chances against Drew Brees in that scenario. Really good. They just got to figure out a way to get to that point. But the Taysom Hill thing, I mean, New Orleans, they're playing a relatively soft schedule here down the stretch. But eventually, you have to be able to play quarterback. And there are teams that are going to figure this thing out. And the Saints, they just they haven't thrown the ball well the last two weeks. I don't care what the numbers said about Taysom's first start. He threw a 55-yard wounded duck that his guy happened to catch. Good for him. I mean, 
They've done enough to win the last two weeks, and they certainly deserve credit for that. I think the Saints are the most complete team. Even when when Drew Brees is healthy, I think that's especially true. I think their defense is a pretty good unit too. So I look forward to that being a potential matchup. But you know, like you said, right now, if the Packers, if the season ended today, they'd be taking on the Arizona Cardinals. I like my chances in that matchup. After that, it would be Seattle. Seattle's defense can't stop a nose, but you think Green Bay's defense sucks? Watch Seattle. Like Seattle's on pace to be the worst defense ever. Quite literally. By by, by a thousand yards. Literally, <laughs> literally a thousand. I'm not kidding. It, it's funny, but I'm not kidding. Literally a thousand oh, yards. Oh, I'm well aware. Than that Packers defense. That's insane. A it's, thousand yards. They're they're so bad. Um, it, it's funny. One thing I want to touch on though, real quick, before we get to the rest of the game and the defense and you know all that, because there was a lot of stuff on defense that was good. I just want to talk about how Eddie Jackson always talks about how, oh, I wasn't targeted this week. Y'all scared of me. And you got burnt by a tight end. You can take all that and go home. Just go sit down and, and deal with it. Listen, it was a clean hit by Jalen Johnson on Alan Lazard. To oh, yeah, that was clean. And I was happy that they didn't throw a flag on it because, you know, we're at the stage in the NFL now where if it looks bad, they throw a flag essentially. But standing over Lazard when you've given up 40 points in 34 minutes or something like that, it was a. Yeah, the, the Bears defense as a whole tonight was a very chippy unit and y'all were bad. Like, GTFO get off Which, my field. Yeah. Some of that is because some of that I think is the frustration starting to boil over a little bit with yeah, the offense sucks and they have to carry everything and try They and literally have to do everything and hope that Cordy Patterson, Cordy Patterson ran backwards, caught the ball at the out of bounds line in the end zone on a kickoff and tried to return it because they know their offense is that bad. And we heard, those are small effects that a team that takes a toll on a team. And TJ Lang talked about it. I remember pretty vividly after the NFC championship game in 2016, where he basically said, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the offense where we felt like if we didn't score every time we touched it, we were in trouble. And the bears now, I mean, imagine feeling like after two possessions, it's 14 to three or 13 to three because Crosby missed an extra point. Basically the only thing that went wrong tonight for the Packers on the offensive side of the ball. Imagine feeling at 14, three in the first quarter, you've been on the field twice and you feel like the game's already over. And they probably were justified in that feeling because as we get to the defense here, the Packers defense, they start and a frustrating. I have no idea what Kristen Kirksey was doing on David Montgomery's big run to start the game. To the Packers' credit, they stiffen up in the red zone. Raven Green, Kevin King combined for a pass breakup, forced the Bears to kick a red zone field goal. That's good. Offense goes back down the field. And Mitchell Trubisky, I do not understand this from Matt Nagy at all. He told the sideline reporter this. Maybe he's protecting his quarterback. I don't know. But he tells them that he's okay with the interception because they know they're taking a shot on that play. And I said it when he threw the pass. He decided in the huddle he was throwing the post to Darnell Mooney. And Darnell Savage flips his hips, runs it down like a center fielder. And that's where I want to start. Darnell Savage had two interceptions tonight. And he would have had three in the last two weeks if he was able to stay on his feet last week. Phillip Rivers essentially threw a pop-up because Tyler Lancaster tipped the ball. And Savage fell down. If Savage doesn't fall down. 
Should have had another one against San Francisco too. So, I mean, he's had a few and he's been a noticeably different player since that San Francisco game. The light is starting to come on. I think for him, the safety duo in general, Savage and Amos have both played better, I think, but Savage to me, if we were giving out a player of the game type situation, he left the game in the middle of third quarter. It sounds like he'll be okay. So that's good news, but he is somebody who is absolute and his start to the season was dreadful. No way around it. He has absolutely been a different player since the beginning of the season and the Packers, they desperately need something like that because his playmaking ability is something that they have haven't had back there. And this wasn't like I've, I've made this note before. There's a safety that used to play for the Packers whose name I won't mention because he's human garbage, but he used to wear number 42 and he used to have these just terrible games, but he would make up for it with an interception. And then we would just kind of overlook the fact that he gave up two touchdowns and coverage and a couple of big plays here or there. That was not, this was not that kind of game for Darnell Savage. He was all over the field. He's playing fast. It's almost like the light is starting to come on between the last two weeks with Rashawn Gary, who was relatively quiet tonight, but he played okay. Um, I thought at least on first glance, I'll have to go back and watch some stuff. Obviously it wasn't as impactful as he's been the last two weeks, but he's played. I thought he played well. He had a pressure on the Preston Smith scoop and score, which we'll get to here in just a minute. Darnell Savage is starting to play better. And that's something this defense absolutely needs down the stretch. Do you think that he could be somebody that because do you think the lights starting to come on or is this just like a four game stretch? I think it, I think that it's a mix of both. I think that he is starting to really understand his role of what he needs to be doing. Um, But I mean, again, just two weeks ago against Jacksonville, if it's not a 60 mile an hour wind coming into Jake Luton's face, they have an easy walk, walk in touchdown to DJ Chark. You know, he still has moments like that, but every, every defender is going to make a mistake. Every, every person on defense, every person on offense, it's, it's a game of football. Mistakes are going to be made. Right. But you're seeing more good plays rather than more bad plays from Darnell Savage. I really think that he's starting to just play faster and play more free play loose um, I think he's starting to grow confidence in himself that uh, that is helping him, obviously. Um, he made really two really good plays tonight uh, in the passing game. The you know he, it looked like he was running the post that Mitchell Trubisky was throwing for a touchdown, uh, except for he forgot that he doesn't play for the Packers, even though you know we always bring up the funny tweets of him saying go pack go and you know stuff like that. Uh, but, my friend the llama says that's fake news. He has a uh, text message quote unquote to prove it. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> um and then again I think that I don't want to call him a beneficiary of Mitchell Trubisky being bad because like he was in the right position, he made the right play, but even the second one if Mitch gets off his first read which was the crosser to Anthony Miller. He had Allen Robinson wide open for an in route for a first down, but he threw it. Which is funny because wouldn't you think like a bad quarterback's first instinct throw it to your best player? Yeah, <laughs> like well, wouldn't you think it's that? Not for it's not for Mitch. It's throw it to my first read because that's all I know. Throw it to um, the other team apparently. So yeah. kudos. But, but yeah, Anthony Miller runs this crosser on third down, and he throws it into triple coverage, and Darnell Savage makes a good play. I think that. If he's going to continue to play like this, he's going to take the pass defense, not necessarily the whole defense, but the pass defense to another level. I think that obviously you saw it tonight, Jair Alexander, still a stud, 
you know, played really great. Um, just the secondary as a whole, except for, I mean, Raven Green didn't really play very well tonight. He had the the one pass breakup, like you said, but Kevin King played really well. Um, Adrian Amos, obviously, he's always going to play well. He's going to be assignment sure. He's going to do what he needs to do. Darnell Savage was star of the game. And then, I mean, Jair Alexander's Jair Alexander. I mean, that's that's where we're at. If if they can play like they did tonight, the pass defense is, I mean, you you saw it. Mitch Trubisky and the Bears offense. And again, it's Mitch Trubisky and the Bears offense, but they didn't move the ball until the fourth quarter. I mean, they had the, they had the drive at the end of the first half where they moved the ball down the field. But again, I think that's Petten playing scared and, you know, playing off coverage and saying, okay, can you make a 14 play drive and score a touchdown? Well, they did good for them. Kudos. But yeah, your question of, is this the light coming on for Darnell Savage? I absolutely agree. I think he's starting to build into what we thought when we drafted him. I think he's starting to build into that role. Yeah, that first interception where he flipped his hips, just the fluidity and the athleticism and the ball tracking, and that's that stuff that made me fall in love with him and say I thought he was the best safety in that draft class. That was incredible. The throw into triple coverage that Trubisky had, you know what? I, I understand. I just said throw into triple coverage. Something I will say is – if you do the right things, good things happen, right? Charles Woodson said on uh, the Fox pregame show for a college football game a few weeks ago, if you catch the ones they throw to you, you'll lead the league in the interceptions. So that was one they threw to him. And if you're in the right place where you're supposed to be, you'll be able to have an opportunity to make plays like that. And Savage is in the opera in the place, right place to make those plays. So that's something that I think is absolutely positive. The concern that you have on the secondary and the back end is just the middle of the field. The defense in the middle of the field has just been Shannon Sullivan's been okay. Uh, like you mentioned, Kevin King and Jair Alexander, Jair Alexander's had an all pro worthy season. Kevin King, when he's been healthy has been pretty good. The safeties have been pretty good, but the problem you have is that Shannon Sullivan, Will Redmond, Raven green, whoever's playing linebacker, you know, that, area of the field is, has been a big concern. And that's something last week that the Colts absolutely were able to exploit. And the Packers are going to have to figure something like that out just because the, the middle of the field in general is the most efficient place to throw the ball. That's one of the reasons the Packers offense has been as good as it's been this year. They've done a really good job. That's why Devonte Adams has been playing in the slot. That's one of the big adjustments that Matt LaFleur's made to his offense this season is putting his best player in a position to be more efficient like that. So that's been helpful, but it is a concern for the Packers defense as well. Something else that was a concern for the Packers defense coming into tonight was their star, one of their star pass rushers, or at least he's paid like a star. And that is Preston Smith, who's been dreadful, for lack of a better term, throughout the course of the entire season. He did not start tonight. Uh, Rashawn Gary did with Zadarius Smith. And it was one of the first things I noticed was that Preston Smith wasn't on the field. And Preston Smith made his presence known very quickly. His first half includes a scoop and score touchdown on a play where Smith, Smith, and Gary all basically met at the quarterback. Rashawn Gary bullies the right tackle into the quarterback. Uh, Zadarius Smith and Kenny Clark grab Mitchell Trubisky by the face mask. That's not called. Too bad, so sad. And Preston Smith picks the ball up and scores. And then later in the game, he has a sack on third down to end a drive. That's it. It's one of those things. It could be a small thing that turns into a big thing, I think. Preston Smith playing well. And I thought he played well. He had a, a chance at another fumble recovery on a read option where he played the button. He's always been good at playing things like that. The zone reads and being assignment share in the running games. But I think 
this could be a kickstart kind of game for Preston Smith. And this is something that as much as I do like Rashawn Gary and the things that he's done, when we're talking about ceilings in 2020, the highest ceiling for a Packers pass rush duo is still the Super Smith brothers. And if the Packers can get the Super Smith brothers for the remainder of 2020 here, again, we're talking about a de- the defense doesn't need to be dominant. Can they make a few plays? Can they catch the ball that's thrown to them? Can they get a couple of sacks, you know, force some third and longs or get some sacks on third downs to end drives, stuff like that. The super Smith brothers are the ones that can do that. But tell me a little bit about what you saw from Preston Smith's night. And do you think this could be something that could jumpstart him into, I don't think he's going to be the player he was last year. That ship has certainly sailed, but can he be something to give the Packers some juice here in the last six, eight, hopefully nine weeks of the season? I wonder if he's starting, and I know this is this is weird to say because it is week 12. I really wonder if he's starting to get his legs underneath him. He's looked really slow, really out of shape all year long. And I wonder if the, not necessarily, because I don't want to say that he, I know he didn't start tonight. And, you know, I use that term loosely because he wasn't in the, you know, he wasn't in the personnel to start the game. That's fine. I wonder if that's going to help his pass rush production, though. Instead of him playing 64 snaps a game, you know, trying to trying to play on running downs and, and, you know, stuff like that. I wonder if him taking more first downs, second downs off will help his production, you know, late in the second half, late down the stretch um, to get to the quarterback. I think that he can look at what he did tonight and say, Hey, I finally did something more. I finally did something more than one play in a game to build off of. Um, I'm really hoping that's the case, obviously, because if, I mean, Zadarius is still Zadarius. I know he, the, the pass rush was relatively, I don't want to say it was quiet because they did make Mitch move a little bit and, you know, they had sacks and, you know, they forced fumbles and, and three sacks, six quarterback hits tonight, obviously the touchdown and the forced fumble as well. This is according to ESPN stats through everything like that, but six quarterback hits. That's not bad. Darius Smith had three of those. Preston Smith had two. So, I mean, obviously, but that's what I was saying. I'm getting to the point of, you know, does, does him taking running downs off, like, you know, the, the first down, or even if, if he has first down off and then they have a second down, let's say it's like second down and six and they get a holding penalty. It's second and 16. You know, maybe you can take him off for second and 16 and just have Z and Rashawn Gary rush. And then on third down, really get that NASCAR packaging that they really showed tonight because they were up big. We talked about it last week of if you can go out and score 21 points, it makes life easy, right? So you could just pin your ears back and go. I mean, you saw the NASCAR package a lot tonight. It was Kenny Clark, it was Preston Smith, it was Darius Smith, and it was Rashawn Gary. Those were the guys that were in the game to rush the passer. And I think that, you know, just Preston getting a break will help this defense going forward. Even though it it's weird because on, on actual running downs, I would rather your edge defenders be Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith because... I love Zadarius, but he is a terrible run defender. Like, honestly, he's not good at it. Um, 
And a lot of that, I think, is because he wants to jump and shoot a gap and try and make a play, kind of like uh, Clay Matthews all the time. You know, as an edge defender, he would always want to shoot the gap and try and make a huge play in the backfield. Well, then guess what? You lose your outside contain, they bounce outside, and there's there's the there's the running lane. Back to Preston Smith. I really, really, really hope that this is a jump start because if you can get Z and P back to being who they were last year, I mean, we just said it. If the secondary is going to play like they did tonight, and if Z and P are going to play like you know they did tonight, where they you know wreak some havoc, this defense is going to take a big step. I mean, and that's what you're hoping for to, to see down the stretch here. And whether that step is good enough remains to be seen. Obviously, they still have a lot of things. But like I said, it's a different league now, and you have to think about things in a different manner. And this Packers team is their defense good enough to win the Super Bowl? I don't know. Uh, you know, I think their offense is. And I think that's what matters more, especially now in 2020. Because, like I said, if you get to the Super Bowl, you're going to be matched up with Ben Roethlisberger. Patrick Mahomes, somebody like that. And you're going to have to be able to go score for score with a team like that. And I think the good news is that the Packers can. They are able to go score for score with those guys and with teams like that. And I think they've proven that over and over again. Again, they punted once of significance tonight against one of the better defenses in all the football. And I'll be it. I've given the qualifier. They were missing Akeem Hicks. Is Akeem Hicks that important to the point where the Packers should be putting up 40 points against a really good, proud defense like this? I don't think so. And then you add in that this is where the Packers maybe made an impact larger than what they would have if Hicks was in the game. 39 carries, 182 yards rushing. You can take out, so 37 carries for 170 yards if you take out two Aaron Rodgers scrambles. It's actually 35 carries because they're including two Tim Boyle kneel downs in here too, which I hate that they do that, but whatever. 17 carries for 90 yards for Aaron Jones, 5.3 yards per carry. 17 carries for 73 yards for Jay Swag Daddy. Again, 4.3 yards per carry. The Packers running game was, I wouldn't call it dominant, but very, very good. And again, very, very efficient. And everything just kind of played off of each other tonight. The backs looked really explosive, though. Like a lot of a lot of the time, I mean, we've been talking about the running, the running game woes the past couple weeks. Aaron Jones looked like he just got the ball and found his hole and hit it. And there were some, there were some things with Jamal Williams in the game, like you're on the left hash, left hash, and you throw a short side sweep to Jamal Williams. That's that's not it. Like that's not his game. But when you let Jamal Williams just get ahead of steam going towards the line of scrimmage, that's when he's at his best. Let him do that. Um, you know, I don't really think that. It's weird because, like, we've talked about it, how Aaron Jones is a home run hitter. He's a special runner. I don't think the Packers have that, like, toss slash sweep speed. You know like what I'm Naeem saying? Like Hines or somebody like that. Like, they just, like that Raheem Mostert speed. Like, Raheem Mostert, when he gets to top speed, he's running at, like, 23 miles an hour. The Packers don't have a guy like that to run that sort of, like, sweep stuff. So, yeah, I want to see more of the, you know, back to what you, what Matt LaFleur always said. I want to marry the run game into the pass and, you know, stretch zone and, you know, let these guys get ahead of steam going down the field rather than moving horizontally. Um, my question to you now, and I'm 
totally going back to what we were talking about just a couple minutes ago, is do you think that this Packers defense in the playoffs can get enough stops to let Aaron Rodgers take the lead and let the offense really have a have a three-point lead, then try to build it to 10, or have a seven-point lead and try to build it to 10 or 14? Do you think that the Packers defense can get the timely stops that we've seen so far this year? I mean, you saw it against New Orleans. Um, and even, even against uh, Indianapolis just last week, I mean, holding teams to field goals when you're, you know, down three rather than giving up a touchdown because that game's over then, you know, you have a, you have a chance here. Um, do you think that the defense can make the timely stop in the postseason? Well, they certainly have the personnel to do it. And if Preston Smith's going to put games together like this, that just adds another player to that. They have Kenny Clark, who I think is a stud. They have the Smith brothers, if Preston Smith's going to play like he did tonight, who I think are studs. Rashawn Gary is an ascending player. Darnell Savage, an ascending player. Adrian Amos, a steady presence. King and Alexander is maybe not as good of a corner duo as you'll find in the entire NFL, but a very good cornerback duo. They have the personnel to make the stops. And I think the whole Mike Pettin is garbage thing is overrated. Um, you know, Ultimately, I think coordinators make for easy fall guys. If your studs play well, then like Steve Spagnolo was somebody who was this genius that shut down the Patriots. He didn't do anything crazy in 2007. It was, I guess from a schematic standpoint, it was something they didn't do very often. That NASCAR package where they had OC and Michael Strahan and Justin Tuck and the ability to rush with four. That part, okay. But before that, he was somebody who was in the dumpster. Like Giants fans wanted him fired. He wasn't some genius. They were able to get pressure with four guys. And they made some plays in the Brett Favre threw a pass right to Corey Webster. Congratulations. Like the schematic stuff is cool. There's definitely a need for coordinators to do things well. But I think it's overblown. Like the Packers aren't going to win or lose a championship because of their defensive coordinator. I do not believe that by any stretch of the imagination. Now, I do think that Mike Pettin could lose his job if the defense collapses in the postseason. I, that's a separate topic, though, I think. You know, I think we spend way too much time talking about the defensive coordinator and not enough time talking about how, like, if Preston Smith is playing this year half as good as he did last year, are we having some of these conversations? Maybe not like there's just, it's a lot, you know, and football has a way of bringing out the crazy in some people, but tonight, the final thing I want to get into is since 1992, the Packers are now 43 and 15 against the Chicago bears. They have won 16 of the last 21 games. Jimmy Christensen and Todd Varney want to throw a lot of shade at me, and that's fine. This is not a rivalry anymore because it is not a very similarly in the way that Michigan is not Ohio State's rival. And I will throw shade at myself. So anybody who knows me knows I'm a Michigan fan. I try to keep that quiet these days, but whatever. It is not a rivalry if the rival, quote unquote, does not win and the Bears do not win. And every game, it seems like, is worse than the last for them. The Packers just are dominant against these guys. Spot them a 20 to nothing lead in the first half. Okay, fine. Aaron Rodgers comes out on one leg. 
blows him away. Break the quarterback's collarbone. He comes back in that game. Throws two interceptions early in the game. Still throws a game-winning touchdown pass to Randall Cobb. Scores 40 points in the first half. Tonight, tonight it was like without even breaking a sweat, they scored 40 points. Chicago is not Green Bay's rival until further notice. And I give Virginia McCaskey my biggest plead. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky, all of them need extensions and they need to stay in Chicago for the foreseeable future. They are people. You need to be loyal to them and have faith in the people you've put in place to do this job. Keep them forever and ever. Any final thoughts on this game before we close up? It's it's funny you bring that up because uh, they talked about it a little bit on the broadcast of if Matt Nagy would be fired. There's two years left on his contract. They hired half of his staff just this past year to contracts. The Chicago Bears are notoriously cheap. Mm-hmm. You really think they're going to break contracts like that and pay out to the coaching staff that you just hired and then fired? I mean, if if they do, if they do, kudos to them. Uh, but I'm going off of history and what the McCaskey family does in Chicago, and that is be cheap. So you really think that they want to then bring in a new head coach and all new staff and then also have to pay the old one? I, I I just don't see it at this point. It's kind of like how I really wish that the Lions were, you know, somewhat competent and at least decent enough to keep the boob Matt Matt Patricia up there and Bob Quinn because they're bad at their job too. But uh, yeah, I just I have a hard time seeing Matt Nagy and his entire staff being gone because the Bears are cheap. It's just who they are. Um, the McCaskies love money and any way they can look at the bottom line to make money. And especially because the salary cap's going down, they missed out on a bunch of revenue. Like there's a lot of things that go into it of, I just don't, I don't see Matt Nagy getting fired because of those reasons. Uh, As for the game, I hope that they use this as a building block to, uh, I mean, you saw it, you saw it last week. We talk about it all the time. The, the energy energy is a is a real buzzword like you know jake give me some mccarthy buzzwords go it's like anything um pad level uh matt lafleur's it's like anything is certainly for example i don't know if you've listened to enough of his pressers but he says certainly all the freaking time and in this league he says that they don't make him easy in this league yeah the but this is one of this is one of those energy is always one of the things that's brought up their energy in the second half looked like shit against Indianapolis. They came out tonight and absolutely dominated. They played physical, um, especially through the first half. Um, Even in the third quarter, they played physical. The offense didn't miss a beat. I'm hoping they use this week, this week's preparation, because they always talk about how we got to go one and oh every week. You know, the week of preparation needs to be great, blah, blah, blah. I hope they look back on this week's preparation for Chicago and use it for next week against Philly and then use that week for the next week against Detroit, you know, and so on and so forth down the line. I don't want to hear about the energy being low again, because you need to come out and play like you did tonight. Other than that, tonight's a good night. 
and I agree with you on the uh, the rivalry thing. Uh, I know a lot of people will hate that, but the reason it's still considered a rivalry is because of the storylines. You know, obviously, oldest rivalry. Storylines, oh. geography, yeah. history, Story. all, yeah, that all that stuff. I mean, sure, but, all that stuff matters. At the end of the day, I'm throwing shade. So shut the hell up and let me throw shade. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the bigger rivalry is the the team that's you know north of Chicago and it's Minnesota, but mm-hmm. you know it is what it is. Um, obviously, when Bears Week comes around, I can sit here and say it's not a rivalry all I want. But when Bears Week comes around, it is different, especially for me and you because of you know where we live, um, you know living in in Illinois. But I don't know. It just there's something. There's something about it where I know I said on Friday that this game was going to be around 24-21, a three-point victory for Green Bay because of Chicago's defense. But, man, when it just comes down to it and it's game day, as long as 12 is healthy, I just feel like, especially against Chicago, they're just going to win. Like, that's all that matters is they're just going to win. Yeah, and like 12 said after the game, love beating Chicago. And he's done that a lot. Tonight's number 20 in his career of times he's beaten Chicago. Number 100 for the Packers. The 100th time they've beaten the Bears in this uh, matchup between these two teams. So the Packers are the first to 100. As usual, they're the superior franchise in every statistical measure. Uh, The Bears have more individual Hall of Famers. That's fine. The Packers have more championships. 13 is more than nine. Four Super Bowls is more than one Super Bowl. Five appearances is more than two appearances. The Packers... No matter what way you slice it, the Packers are a better team. And they've been a better organization for a really long time. And until again, until further notice, this isn't a rivalry. And I fully expect if the Packers are able, if the Packers need to play their guys on January 3rd, or I think it's January 3rd, it might be January 2nd or something stupid like that, but whatever, the last game of the season, and it is January 3rd, I fully expect the Packers to win. And I fully expected the Packers to win just about every Bears game that Aaron Rodgers has suited up for for the last 10 years. One thing with that last game, Chicago might be out of it and they might not even want to play either. Like this, because when you get down to it, it's week 17, you're in Chicago, it's cold. You really think Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller? You really think they want to play and like, Hey, this is our last game of the year. Do I really want to, you know, give my all and throw my body on the line in the cold? No. I mean, that's just how it goes with teams when they, when they're out of the postseason. they just, they fold. (laughs) So that'll be interesting to see if Chicago's playing for nothing. And even if green Bay's playing for nothing, I mean, which seems unlikely. Right. I mean, it seems unlikely that the Packers have no shot at like a one seed or the division should be wrapped up by them. Because right now it looks like Green Bay has a three game lead in the loss column over Minnesota and Chicago both. And they've beaten both teams at least once. Green Bay should be able to clinch their division relatively early. And that's obviously a positive because you can get that first step out of the way pretty quickly instead of having to kind of sweat for that one down the stretch. So. That part will be interesting. Overall, the last game of the season, I think you've mentioned that. You know, I've been in a game where that I've been at a game where that happened a couple of years ago. Green Bay played Detroit. Joe Philbin was a lame duck interim head coach, and the Packers got beat 31 0. Aaron Rodgers suffered a concussion on the first or second series, and it was just 
it was a bad game all the way around. And after Rogers left the game, it was just like, okay, we're ready for the off season and moving on kind of thing, which the bears certainly could do that. You mentioned the Matt Nagy thing and that part's interesting. I think, I think the bears would have to bottom out and finish like five and 11 and a 10 game losing streak. The problem is if you look at Chicago's schedule going forward, they can win for the last six and the two losses were in my mind were tonight and then week 17. Uh, Cause I think they're done with Minnesota. They played Detroit. I think they have to play Jacksonville. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, they have regardless of the schedule, the problem they're going to run into is they can't score any freaking points. And I mean, when you yeah, can't score I, points, that's that. That's the part that makes things the hardest, right? Is no matter how good your defense is, if your offense, I mean, it's not even so much that their defense or their offense is bad. It's that they can't even move the ball. Oh, I lied. It's Detroit next week, Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Green Bay. I can see them beating Detroit, Houston, the Minnesota. I can see them losing those games too, though. I mean, oh, yeah, I can, I can see them losing. As, as well but you know the minnesota game when they played you know just two weeks ago was i mean it was a bad game but it was close it was 19 13 jacksonville isn't good their defense is going to hold them off the board honestly i think i think they can that would be mike glenn that might be mike glennon against mitchell trubisky mike glennon revenge game baby <laughs> we have, but, and then this and is then a real Green quote Bay. from their general manager we have mike glennon and we are fired up about that I will never forget that as long as I live. And then they drafted Mitchell Trubisky a month later. Yep. They gave Mike Glennon $16 million and then said, yeah, but we really don't believe in you. So we're going to take this guy, which is fine. If that guy works out, he didn't. And I don't know if you've heard, but they took Mitchell Trubisky instead of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Yep. So I'm not sure if you heard that or not. I don't think that's been hashed or rehashed billion times by now. It's weird because, yeah, again, as you said, I can see them losing these games, and I can see them winning these games. It's it's one of those where, who knows? And guess what? It's not really my problem now, is it? Because we don't care about the Chicago Bears. <laughs> so No, they're done. It's cooked. The NFC North is over. I don't know how much it was ever a question up for discussion. Honestly, after the Packers started 2-0 with two division wins, I felt pretty confident. <laughs> this sounds terrible, but I felt confident – the division was in the bag and you know, green, you know, the rest of green Bay's. It was always said last year, how the Packers were a fraudulent team. The bears definitely were a fraudulent <laughs> five. Well, here, here's the difference between being fraudulent for real and being fraudulent. And that being annoying is that the Packers actually did win the games and finish 13 and three. The bears got exposed down the stretch. They're now five and six. So you have to keep winning. At some point, it's not just dumb luck, right? So the Packers were able to continue doing that. So that's fine. The Bears, they turned into a pumpkin. That's fine. You look at the Packers schedule here down the stretch. They've got Philly, Detroit, Carolina, Tennessee, and then Chicago to close out the season. The Packers should be, and this is assuming relative health and all that good stuff too, Packers should be 11-3 and going into that Tennessee game on Sunday Night Football. And that game, I think, is going to determine whether they finish the season 12 and four or 13 and three. So that's where we're at on that. We have run way over. Beating the Bears is always cause for a, a pretty good discussion, but we're out of time. Uh, thank you guys for joining the Brother to Brother podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Game On 
WI. Check me out on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow Adam. He's at a Westendorf 85. Follow us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, game on Wisconsin. Check out the Jamal Williams charity. Jay sweat, Jay swag, daddy swag bag giveaway. He scored a touchdown tonight. So we definitely need to uh, bump his charity a little bit, get him a few things, uh, get some goodies in there for some children in need. And I've got a really cool new prize that you'll have to tune in on Tuesday that you could be eligible to win if you donate, which I think should be a whole lot of fun to look into for that. But otherwise the Packers are now eight and three. They've beaten the Chicago bears and we're feeling good. So let's hit the outro the same as we did the intro. They got a reputation that's mostly based on luck. The bears still suck. The bears still suck. Bears still suck. The bears still suck. The bears still suck. They really, 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 really suck. Yes, the bears still suck.